Listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions and descriptions of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust that may be upsetting to listeners. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. In the middle of August 1942, Josef Tiso, the Slovak priest-turned-politician, attended a harvest festival in the town of Halic. During the festivities, Tiso addressed the crowd about the recent deportation of Jews from Slovakia. In March, the Slovak government had agreed with Nazi Germany to deport Slovak Jews to Poland. Jewish leaders were outraged, and even moderate Slovaks and Tiso's Catholic supporters questioned the policy. But in his speech, Tiso defended the deportations. He claimed that Jews were making Christian Slovaks' lives worse, and their role in the Slovak economy only benefited themselves. He roared that what belongs to the Slovak nation will not yield to anyone. When news of Tiso's speech reached Adolf Hitler, he was elated, which is exactly what Tiso wanted. His desire to please Hitler led him to send over 50,000 Jews to their deaths. And when World War II ended, Tiso himself would have to pay the price. Welcome to Dictators, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This season, we're looking at lesser-known World War II dictators who are allied with Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. Last week, we introduced Slovak dictator Josef Tiso, a Catholic priest and Slovak nationalist Tiso spent two decades fighting for Slovak autonomy in Czechoslovakia. He ultimately achieved that goal, thanks to Adolf Hitler's violent ambitions. This week, we'll examine Tiso's contentious relationship with Hitler and his ultimate role as a Nazi puppet. He helped instigate World War II and sent tens of thousands of Slovak Jews to die in Nazi concentration camps. We'll also discuss Tiso's fall from power and his ignoble end. We'll head to Slovakia right after this. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA, used under license by FCA US LLC. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary 
and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Adolf Hitler had long dreamed of expanding German lands. In 1938, he decided to finally act on that goal. That March, German forces annexed Austria. Next, he turned to neighboring Czechoslovakia. After six months of diplomatic bullying, Nazi Germany divided Czechoslovakia. This foreign intrusion left the Republic's government in shambles. And amidst this political chaos, Josef Tiso seized the moment. On October 7th, Tiso went to the capital in Prague and demanded the crumbling parliament give Slovaks their autonomy. With a looming Nazi invasion and no real power, they gave in and put Tiso in charge of forming an autonomous Slovak government. To be clear, this was not total independence. The country was still called Czechoslovakia, but Slovakia was now an autonomous state within the larger republic. They could govern themselves without being beholden to the Czech leadership, and they had Hitler to thank for achieving their goal. Tiso returned to the Slovak capital of Bratislava on October 8, 1938, to a warm welcome. In front of a rapturous crowd, he promised that he and the Ludaks would govern with, quote, Christian ideals of love and understanding. He reneged on that promise almost immediately. Slovakia was still in a decades-long border dispute with Hungary, and if they couldn't come to an agreement, the foreign signatories of the Munich Agreement, namely Germany, Italy, Britain, and France, would arbitrate the division. So Tiso needed allies abroad, and he looked to Poland and, unsurprisingly, Nazi Germany. Not only did he send delegates to negotiate with the Germans, he buttered them up by molding Slovakia into a more fascist regime. He banned the Communist Party, transformed the press into a propaganda machine, and formed a paramilitary group called the Hlinka Guard, similar to the Nazi brownshirts. On November 2, 1938, foreign ministers from Germany and Italy met in Vienna to arbitrate the border dispute. Britain and France didn't bother to attend. But Tiso's efforts to emulate the Nazis didn't help him out. By all accounts, Hungary came out ahead. The Vienna Award, as it came to be known, gave the Hungarians just under 4,000 square miles of Slovak land with over half a million inhabitants. Slovakia lost around 40% of its fertile land. The Vienna Award was a major emotional blow for Josef Tiso. He even considered resigning as Slovakia's provisional prime minister. But instead of quitting or changing strategy, he decided to double down on the borrowed Nazi tactics. He blamed the Jews. The day before the Vienna meeting, several hundred Jewish-Hungarian students had organized a demonstration in favor of Hungary. As a result, the entire Jewish demographic was scapegoated and painted as traitors in the press. In the days following the Vienna Award, 7,500 Jews were rounded up and forcibly expelled from Slovakia. Tiso also tightened his political control within the government. Touting a vision he called the New Slovakia, he united the right wing by merging various political parties with the Ludaks. 
Tiso's New Slovakia was just a catch-all name for the Christian socialist and Slovak nationalist views he had espoused his entire career. But now, these views were infused with violent fascist methods. But Tiso still had a major political obstacle, the Czech representatives in parliament. Even with their new autonomous government, Slovakia was still beholden to the Czechoslovakian parliament, which continued to drag their feet in addressing Slovak issues. It didn't take long for frustrated, radical Ludaks to whisper about taking their independence by force. When word reached Prague that Slovak radicals wanted secession, the Czech leaders were terrified. They knew that many Ludak leaders were cozy with high-ranking Nazis. Hitler could leverage Slovak separatism to dismantle Czechoslovakia entirely. But unlike the rest of the radical Ludaks, Tiso wasn't in favor of independence. He knew that economically, an independent Slovakia would crumble. This would all but invite the Hungarians to invade. Behind closed doors, Tiso promised the Czech president that he would keep the separatist radicals in line. And he did, for about a month. At the end of January 1939, the dire economy in Slovakia forced Tiso to reach out to Germany for support. He sent an emissary to Hitler to discuss economic solutions. That emissary was none other than his original political rival, Wojciech Tuka. When last we left Tuka, he had been sentenced to 15 years in prison for treason. However, in 1937, radical Ludaks championed amnesty for him. Eventually, Tuka was released and back in Bratislava. Tiso still hated Tuka, but he knew he was revered by the radicals. So Tiso allowed him to represent Slovakia in the meeting with the Germans, which was a mistake. During the meeting, Tuka told Hitler that Slovaks wanted independence, not just autonomy. This was a complete departure from Tiso's position. In response, Hitler teased the pros of independence by promising an economic partner and secured borders. In the weeks that followed, more and more Ludak radicals, including Tiso himself, met with Nazi officials to discuss the possibilities. This horrified the Czech leadership. It looked as if Slovakia was about to declare independence with Nazi support. Tiso was still doubtful about the viability of an independent Slovakia. He also feared that a struggling independent state would invite a German takeover. But ultimately, a misstep by the panicking Czechs in Prague made the decision much easier. At the beginning of March, the president of Czechoslovakia dismissed Tiso and his cabinet from the government. Not long after, Czech troops invaded Slovakia to ensure control. And all this political chaos gave the Nazis an unexpected opportunity. On March 13th, Tiso traveled to Berlin at the personal request of Hitler. Hitler was blunt with him. The Nazis were about to invade Czech territories, and Tiso should declare Slovak independence at once. If he did, he had Germany's support. But if Tiso didn't, Germany would not help Slovakia even in the event of a Hungarian invasion. And with so much political chaos rocking the region, it seemed quite likely that Hungary would try to reclaim territory. There really wasn't much of a debate for Tiso. 
The next day, he returned to Bratislava and informed the Slovak parliament of the dire situation. The parliament was stunned. Tiso was essentially announcing a German invasion and his intention to benefit from it. Still, when the time came for a vote on independence, every politician stood up and sang, Hail to Slovaks! That evening, Hitler met with the president of Czechoslovakia and pressured him into accepting the Nazi occupation of Czech lands. This territory officially became the Protectorate of Bohemia and Moravia. Meanwhile, the newly independent Slovak state allied with Nazi Germany. In the days that followed, Tiso and the Ludaks consolidated their grip over the new Slovak government. Radicals took over newly created cabinet positions, while Tiso became the provisional head of state until elections later that year. Their first priority was figuring out Slovakia's relationship with Germany. Tiso knew Hitler had eyes on taking over Poland, and he didn't want Slovakia to be involved in the Nazis' expansion project. But Tiso didn't realize that Slovakia was integral in Hitler's plans for Poland and there was nothing he could do about it. Coming up, Tiso helps Hitler throw Europe into chaos. Since the beginning of time, people have wanted to believe in an afterlife. Hi listeners, I'm Shelby Scott. In Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast, I take a closer look at the mortal lives of spiritualists who claim to communicate with the dead and the scientists who tried to debunk them. This eight-episode series looks at paranormal events proven to be hoaxes and those which have mystified even the world's greatest skeptics. Mixing history, mystery, and social psychology Mediums asks how these self-proclaimed psychics pulled off the illusion of interacting with the dead, even under a microscope of criticism. Were they all simply peddling parlor tricks, or was there something truly paranormal going on? Break out your Ouija board, dust off your crystal ball, or light some candles, because Parcast is ready to reveal what's really known about the unknown. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Mediums, Summon new episodes every Wednesday, free and only on Spotify. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, back to the story. In March 1939, Slovakia declared independence from Czechoslovakia with the support of Nazi Germany. And in the immediate aftermath, it was clear. Slovakia needed all the German support they could get. In the middle of March, Hungary annexed a portion of Slovakia's lands. In the coming weeks, the Hungarian army pushed deeper west. Slovak troops resisted, but it wasn't enough. Nazi Germany decided to get involved to assist its newest ally. 
At Germany's insistence, Slovakia agreed to relinquish over 700 square miles of land to Hungary. A sacrifice, but it was better than a complete military takeover. For Josef Tiso, this brush with Hungary proved that if Slovakia was to survive, they needed Hitler. Throughout the spring and summer of 1939, Tiso had two main goals, stabilizing Slovakia and appeasing Hitler. In terms of that second goal, Tiso began persecuting Jews. However, Tiso faced a dilemma. As a priest, Christian morality dictated that he accept Jewish converts. But as a Slovak nationalist allied with Hitler, he needed a more radical approach. What he came up with was called Decree 6339. Decree 6339 banned Jews from serving most public offices to ensure they were excluded from, quote, national life. Tiso's government also demanded that Jewish business owners fork over their businesses to the Aryan population. This was called Aryanization, and it was supposedly voluntary. Naturally, some called into question how a Catholic priest would allow such blatant hostility toward other humans. But Tiso justified these anti-Semitic acts as making the Catholic community stronger. At the same time, the persecution of Jews greatly impressed Tiso's benefactor, Adolf Hitler. As the summer of 1939 continued on, Hitler was determined to continue his European expansion and Slovak troops were going to be a part of it. After annexing Austria to Czechoslovakia, Poland was next on Hitler's list. The Nazis informed Tiso that at the start of September, they were going to invade Poland, not just from Germany, but from Slovakia as well. They wanted the Slovak army to march right alongside them. To sweeten the deal, the Nazis offered to give Tiso territory that the Slovaks lost to the Poles after World War I. They also promised their immediate assistance if the Hungarians decided to invade Slovakia again. That was more than enough for Tiso to agree. On September 1, 1939, Nazi Germany invaded Poland with the help of roughly 50,000 Slovak troops. Up until this point, Britain and France had warned Hitler that if he tried anything against Poland, they were obligated to take up arms. But Hitler welcomed the prospect of a war with Britain and France, believing that neither country was ready for the blood he was willing to spill. He even told one official that it will be a war of destruction that is beyond anyone's imagination. The very next day, as the British and French armies mobilized, Italian dictator Benito Mussolini attempted to mediate a peaceful resolution. The British made just one offer, and it required a total Nazi retreat from Poland. Hitler ignored them. On September 3rd, Britain and France declared war on Germany, and World War II began. Initially, Tiso claimed ignorance of the invasion of Poland. Legally, the Slovak parliament needed to approve any war measures, and they certainly hadn't signed off on Slovak soldiers invading Poland. While Tiso faced some blowback for aiding Hitler, it wasn't enough to sink him. In late October, Tiso was elected by parliament as the first official president of the Slovak state. But as president, Tiso did very little in terms of actually running the government. 
He had no interest in writing legislation or lobbying for change. Instead, he allowed his cabinet to dictate the majority of the policymaking. Historian James Mace Ward describes Tiso's day-to-day life as being more like a parish priest than a president. He devoted his time to Slovak social problems, such as helping the unemployed and promoting Slovak education. Meanwhile, Tiso attempted to weaken the German influence with his radical cabinet. Though Tiso was very pro-German, he also wanted Slovakia to actually be independent, not a Nazi puppet state. To help with this, Tiso turned to his Minister of the Interior and Foreign Affairs, Ferdinand Churchansky. Together, Tiso and Churchansky crafted a twofold strategy. Rein in the paramilitary Hlinka guard, whose violence often got out of hand, and smooth out diplomatic relations with the Soviet Union. But Hitler obviously hated that Tiso was trying to obstruct the pro-Nazi Hlinka guard. He also quickly grew tired of Slovakia's diplomatic outreach to the Soviets, especially since Hitler planned to eventually invade the USSR. At the end of July 1940, Tiso and Wojciech Tuka met with Hitler in Salzburg. The Slovaks quickly realized this wasn't a negotiation. Hitler claimed that Slovakia was part of German territory, and thus he had the authority to dictate Slovak politics. He demanded that Tiso get rid of Jurchansky and install radical pro-Nazis into cabinet positions. And if Tiso didn't, the Nazis would allow the Hungarians to invade. Tiso capitulated immediately. He not only dismissed Jurchansky, but also gave more power to Tuka, who by now was openly pro-Nazi. Slovakia was now wholly under the influence of Nazism. The Salzburg summit became a turning point for Josef Tiso. He hated the corner Hitler forced him into. But if he wanted to stay in power and keep Tuka from overthrowing him, he'd have to accept it. But though Tiso disliked this increase in Nazi influence, there was one thing both sides agreed upon, persecuting Slovakia's Jewish population. Throughout the rest of 1940, Tiso signed decrees aimed at destroying the Jewish economy. Aryanization, the process in which Jews handed over at least 51% of their businesses to non-Jews, went from voluntary to mandatory. Meanwhile, Slovak Jews were banned from attending schools, going to parks, or to the movies. They weren't allowed to drive cars, and they were given limited hours when they could go shopping. By mid-1941, thousands of Jews were shut out of the Slovak economy. Their property was expropriated and put into, as Tiso called it, Christian hands. Finally, on September 9, 1941, the Slovak parliament passed the so-called Jewish Code. Modeled after the Nuremberg Laws in Germany, the Jewish Code contained 270 articles that stripped Jews of virtually every single right they still had and forced them to wear the yellow stars of David. Near the end of 1941, Tiso went to Berlin to meet with Hitler once again. During this meeting, Tuka was privately told by German officers that they were going to forcibly move German Jews to Nazi-occupied Poland. They wanted to know if Slovakia had any interest in doing the same. 
Essentially, the Slovak government was being asked to join in the Holocaust. When Tuka returned to Bratislava, he made plans with his German contacts to deport 20,000 Slovak Jews. On March 26, 1942, the first 6,000 Jews were packed into trains and sent to Poland. Barely any of them would ever see Slovakia again. Supposedly, Josef Tiso learned about the deal just weeks before the deportations began, when Tuka announced it at a ministry council meeting. However, some historians find it difficult to believe that Tuka could orchestrate such a move without Tiso signing off on it well in advance. When it came to decrees that involved life or death, like the invasion of Poland, Tiso often pleaded ignorance because he was still an ordained priest. And as a priest, he couldn't do anything that would result in the death of another human. But Tiso didn't bat an eye when Tuca made the announcement. And later on, he openly admitted that he, quote, was inclined to deport the Jews. However, Tiso's direct role remains both controversial and complex. Even though Tiso was always an anti-Semite, he occasionally welcomed Jews who converted to Christianity. As such, Jews that Tiso considered longtime converts were allowed to apply for presidential exemptions, which were then granted or not. By the time the last deportation train left Slovakia for Poland on October 20, 1942, over 57,000 Jews had been expelled. However, according to historian Ivan Kamenets, between 5,000 and 6,000 Slovak Jews were protected via the presidential exemptions. It's impossible to know exactly why Tiso decided to grant thousands of Jews exemptions while also sending tens of thousands more to concentration camps. In all likelihood, he didn't want to completely tank the Slovak economy. However, another factor may be that when the deal was made with Germany, they didn't tell Tiso that nearly every single Slovak Jew he was sending to Poland was going to die. It's possible that when Tiso eventually heard reports that the resettlement camps were actually death camps, he had a change of heart. When the Germans pressured Tiso throughout 1943 to send more deportees, Tiso wavered on what to do. He had received ample pushback about the deportations from moderate Slovaks in Parliament and from his fellow clergymen, until finally in August, he agreed the deportations to Poland needed to stop. In the meantime, there was trouble brewing at home for Tiso. He spent so much time appeasing Hitler and outmaneuvering party rivals that he was completely blind to the fact that the Slovak population was turning on him. By 1944, that anger would reach its breaking point, and in response, Tiso would attack his own people. Coming up, a resistance group attempts to overthrow Tiso. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. 
Now back to the story. Between March and October of 1942, over 57,000 Jews were deported from Slovakia. Supposedly, Slovak President Josef Tiso was unaware that he was sending them to their deaths. But regardless of how much he claimed he knew, Tiso was complicit in Adolf Hitler's Holocaust. This signaled that life under Tiso was really just life under Hitler. And for some Slovaks, the time had come to put an end to that, especially once it appeared that the Nazis were going to lose the war. When Tiso took power and Hitler placed the Czech lands under Nazi protection, many former Czechoslovakian politicians fled for their safety. However, that didn't mean they were going to just sit back and let their homeland succumb to fascism. As early as 1938, a Czechoslovakian government in exile formed first in France and then in London. This leadership was recognized by the United States, the Soviet Union, and Britain. It was considered the legitimate government of the Czech lands and Slovakia, while Tiso was seen as a Nazi puppet. As the war turned in their favor, the Allies collectively agreed that they should be the ones to dictate what post-war Europe would look like. After all, Germany had been the military aggressors. For Josef Tiso, this meant his fate would likely end up in the hands of the Allies. How much this concerned Tiso remains a mystery. Once he hitched his wagon to Hitler, he was fairly ambivalent to any threats to his own power. Tiso probably felt invincible, considering that Hitler kept him as president instead of replacing him with the more vocally pro-Nazi Wojciech Tuka. Meanwhile, however, two ideologically different Slovak groups joined forces to form a resistance against the Tiso regime. In December 1943, communists and democrats agreed to put their differences aside and form a new Slovak National Council. The Slovak Democrats were in communication with the Czechoslovakian government in exile. And with their tacit support, both sides agreed that when Tiso was ousted, Czechoslovakia would be reborn. Throughout the first half of 1944, a Slovak resistance army slowly grew. All they had to do was wait for the perfect opportunity to strike. Luckily for them, they didn't have to wait very long. For over a year, Hitler had been losing the war. When the brutal and bloody Battle of Stalingrad ended in February 1943, the Soviets stopped the Nazis' march toward Moscow. It was a dire blow to Hitler's military plans. In the summer of 1944, the same thing happened on the Western Front. In June, the Allies invaded France at Normandy, and by August, Paris had been liberated. Now Hitler's forces were on the run. For the Slovak resistance, the writing was on the wall. This was the time to take Slovakia away from Nazi puppet Josef Tiso. By this point, Tiso was fully aware that an uprising was brewing. When reports came in that a conspiracy was forming, Tiso ignored them. He didn't have faith that they were big enough to take him down. However, the Germans did take the resistance seriously. The Nazis begged Tiso to let the German army enter Slovakia and handle the threat. But in true Tiso fashion, he hesitated. On August 27, 1944, the Slovak resistance captured Ruzimberak. 
the small town in northern Slovakia was strategically important to the Germans as it provided key railway and highway junctions. This was a critical turning point for the resistance movement. Tiso realized he couldn't rely on the Slovak army to put down the resistance because rumors swirled that some troops were with the resistance. Tiso had no choice but to allow Nazi troops into Slovakia to help put down the rebels. On August 29th, Tiso announced to the people that German soldiers were going to enter Slovakia. After the announcement, the Slovak resistance took the covert war to the streets. With a foreign invasion, the fight was now public and brutal. But the Slovak uprising was doomed from the start. Despite having an army of 60,000 troops, along with 18,000 partisans, the insurgents were no match for the German army. By the end of October, the Nazis had successfully crushed the uprising, forcing survivors to flee into the mountains. The uprising was a wake-up call for Tiso. During the fighting, Tiso feared for his life, especially when it appeared that the insurgents might inspire the people to take up arms against him. Tiso felt devastated that his own people would try to overthrow him. He tried to tell himself that, in reality, the uprising was only against the Germans. He told one advisor, no one revolted against this state, against themselves. You can't convince me that we are a nation of idiots. The most significant outcome of the uprising was that Tiso relinquished all of his power to the Nazis. Slovakia was now under Nazi occupation. Though Tiso was allowed to change his cabinet, which he filled with even more extremists, in reality, he was simply a Nazi cheerleader. So when the Nazis deported more Jews to concentration camps not long after the uprising, Tiso did little to stop them. Of course, the Jews weren't the Nazis' only targets. With Nazi support, the paramilitary Hlinka Guard rampaged throughout the towns and villages, aiming their repression at Czechs or dissident Slovaks. Tiso was unable to rein them in. The only real job Tiso had during this period was working on propaganda. Though he tried to rally support for Slovak nationalism, most of the propaganda was to boost public morale for war. But everyone knew defeat was right around the corner. By the end of 1944, the Allies were inching closer and closer to Slovakia. The Soviet army first entered Slovakia near the end of September 1944. A few weeks later, they were joined by Czechoslovakian troops and later Romanian soldiers who had switched sides after dictator Jan Antonescu was deposed. By April 1945, all of Slovakia was liberated from the Nazis. Tiso knew that if he was captured by Soviet or Czech troops, it would mean a death sentence. So the 57-year-old Tiso fled Slovakia and made his way to a monastery in Kremsmünster, Austria. For the next few weeks, Tiso crafted his defense. Just as he had after World War I, Tiso was readying himself to switch sides for self-preservation. In May, the Germans officially surrendered, ending World War II in Europe. In June, Josef Tiso was finally arrested by U.S. troops and was eventually extradited to the reinstated Czechoslovakia. While Tiso was hiding in Austria, 
the Czechoslovakian government in exile had returned home and went to work rebuilding the country. This new leadership promised to keep things truly equal between Czechs and Slovaks. At the same time, the new government looked to expunge all fascist elements from the republic. In Slovakia, this meant closing the book on the reign of Josef Tiso and the Ludaks. Subsequently, Josef Tiso, Wojciech Tuka, and Ferdinand Jerchansky were indicted on a litany of charges. During his trial, which started in December, Tiso defended his actions as a Nazi collaborator as a way to protect his people, especially considering how weak Slovakia really was. In his words, when the big boys fight, children should stay under the table. Tiso often leaned into ignorance as a defense. He constantly blamed others, like Jerchansky and Tuka, for acting behind his back. But no defense could save him. On April 15, 1947, Josef Tiso was found guilty on all charges of treason and was sentenced to death. On the morning of April 17th, Tiso left his cell to attend mass at the prison chapel. After receiving communion, he made his way to the prison yard where a noose awaited him. For decades, Josef Tiso tried to establish a nation based around Catholicism and Slovak nationalism. He believed that the best way to achieve this goal was to collaborate and compromise. But Tiso collaborated with the wrong people. In order to maintain the power and alliances he'd built, he embraced fascism. And with each passing year, the Catholic paradise he envisioned became increasingly authoritarian and repressive. By the time World War II came to an end, over 70,000 Slovak Jews had died in the Holocaust, which accounted for two-thirds of Slovakia's Jewish population. For Tiso, it was all justified if it meant autonomy for the rest of Slovakia's population. The irony, though, was that Tiso's tactics directly led Slovakia to succumb to his worst fear, communism. In the years following the war, Communist Party membership increased, and in February 1948, they took over Czechoslovakia in a bloodless coup. The nation became a Soviet satellite state. Czechoslovakia remained under communist control until 1989, when peaceful protests ultimately led to the government resigning. Democracy was reintroduced, and ties to the Soviets were cut off. Unfortunately, tensions rose again between the Czechs and the Slovaks over the future of the Republic. Battles over the way the country was spelled brought up old grudges over equality. Ironically, during this contentious time, the rehabilitation of Josef Tiso's image was ongoing. Nationalist Slovaks claimed his legacy had been shaped unfairly by the communists, and Tiso's Nazi collaboration shouldn't overshadow his fight for Slovak autonomy. Nationalists rallied behind Tiso as the call for total independence rang louder. Thankfully, violence was avoided, and in 1993, Czechoslovakia dissolved into two separate states, Slovakia and the Czech Republic. Even today, Josef Tiso remains a highly controversial figure among Slovaks. Nationalists continue to try to rehabilitate him as a martyr who was forced to get his hands dirty for the sake of the people. 
Meanwhile, others refused to ignore Tissot's human rights violations and undeniable role in the Holocaust. Tissot may have told himself that he was a champion for Slovak Catholics, but history will always remember him as being a champion for Hitler. Thanks for listening to Dictators. Next week, we'll begin our dive into Croatian dictator Ante Pavlic. Among the many sources we used, we found priest, politician, collaborator, Josef Tiso and the Making of Fascist Slovakia by James Mace Ward helpful in our research. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Dictators is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Nick Johnson with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Dictators was written by Joe Guerra with writing assistance by Andrew Messer and Kate Gallagher, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Dictators stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. Hi, I'm Shelby Scott, host of Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast. You can join me Wednesdays as I dive into the world of spiritualism and the women that defined it. We'll explore everything from obvious con artists to 150-year-old mysteries. It'll be a fascinating journey, so be sure to follow my new podcast, Mediums, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.